So there you go, Sean. It looks like we're live. It's the 22nd of the 11th, 22. In my, it's like a number five, but gone over by a digit. I'm honoured to be the first guest Darren is interviewing on StreamYard Live. Well, that's the what technology. you are. You're the first guest on my stream on uh, my StreamYard, mate. So it's nice to have you on board. It's nice to have someone so powerful with a lot of influential pull on my site right now. Well, obviously, I appreciate that. Obviously, we've had our ups and downs, but you know we're not clowns. We know what we're doing. So um, we'll move forward. How have you been? Yeah, we just interviewed Robbie Williams. We've got that one going out at the end of the month. And he was an absolute blast. I was actually raving in the same club in Stoke. Shelley's as him when he was getting off his face on ecstasy back when, you know, in the in the late 80s. This is late uh, early 90s. So you're on about Robbie Williams, the, the music star? Robbie Williams, take that. Bloody Angel. How would you manage to get him on your platform, lad? So, Robbie was one of the people who has watched my coverage that got took down off YouTube. You know, that who killed E, that guy. Yeah. Yeah. And um, he started speaking to me uh, through that coverage. And that's how our friendship formed. Well, good stuff. When's that due for release then? Yeah. So, we're thinking that's going to be released probably a week today at six o'clock. Well, that's good. That's that's something people can lock into because he's had a mad life, hasn't he? He's had he's had the ups and downs, hasn't he? Him? Is he, he, descri- is he, has he, he battled descri- his addiction? He, yeah, he has, and he described it as as a teenager going from just a northern lad in you know Stoke. Two years later, he's on this like meteor. He's world famous, and his head was just battered from it. So a, a lot of it. He had to shut down his shut down his emotions and and learn a lot of life lessons, and he has battled with addiction and he's got some real solid stories in the podcast for people who are going through addiction issues. So we can so a lot of people are, are, are definitely going to relate to him and hopefully be inspired by him, isn't it? In the same sense, he's so funny and down to earth, Darren. You know, like he's, he's he, I think he, he did a hundred million pound deal with Sony, and you think someone like that, that ego would get a big, but he's just. Hilarious, he's just one of the lads. All right, so what about you then, Sean? What have you been up to since we last spoke, which is, well, the last week or so we spoke, but months and months. What have you been up to since then? So non-stop, Darren, we've been doing two podcasts a week, Studio Ones. We've been doing a four-hour live stream a week. We've been doing also online interviews. I've got six co-hosts now, and I've got two books coming out. One's just got released today for Christmas, and I've got another one coming out in the new year. Well, what's that book today? What's that called? So the book today, it's it's controversial uh, content. I, I, you know, I don't want to get your channel in trouble. It's called Elite Predators. All right, well, we'll leave that there because yeah. you know, I'm just starting off. I don't want to be getting shut down straight away. No, you don't. <laughs> but is the facts in there? Is there evidence in there? Or is it just your? Is it just you philosophizing about it? No, it's not me philosophizing. We've interviewed people at the forefront of those cases that are all documented in court. And we've interviewed survivors of those predators. So it's their stories as well. Maria Farmer was a survivor of Who Killed E? And Juliet Bryant, she was with them for two years. Uh, you know who I'm talking about. So it's, you know, first-hand testimonies of people who went through it. Sounds interesting. I can't really I can't really read that type of content. It makes me sick. But That's the thing. 
there's a def- definitely a big market out there for that sort of literature, isn't it? It is harrowing and horrifying, but for the survivors, when the, when you interview the survivors, you can see there's like a psychological release. They're processing that childhood trauma. They were never given the tools to deal with it. And it's therapeutic for them to share their story and to inspire other survivors to come forward. And there's so many out there, Darren. The thing we're campaigning for on our channel is end to the war on drugs and mass incarceration. Take all those resources and go after the predators because they just get slaps on the wrist. Now, I just said this. I just spoke at HMP Portland a couple of days ago. And when I told the prisoners that, that was our mission. All the prisoners started cheering. I know, but amongst amongst them prisoners, you probably had 20% predators. No, I don't <laughs> think... I don't think... Well, in America, Darren, they're not allowed in the general population like that. They're separated. Is that, isn't that the case in the in the UK? Isn't it called the numbers or something? No, 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 no. They're all mixed in until they get exposed. Right, okay. So some of them fly under the radar. Yeah, some of them are blatant, though. Some of them are just in your face. Being protected by being protected by uh, religion or whatever. Because in America, they there are the few that fly under the radar. So when I was in the Towers Jail, this was in two thousand and two, the head of the Mexican gang lived next door to me. There was three Mexicans in there, and there was three whites in mine. And one of the Mexicans, he was like coming out talking to everyone, being religious. Um, I think he was a Jehovah's Witness, trying to convert people. And one day he went to court. And on the little TV in the day room, it was a news story about him saying he'd you know, done stuff, nasty things to his niece. The Mexican, the head of the Mexicans was so embarrassed, he waited for 30 minutes until a guard did a security walk so they could torture that guy for the, for the whole 30 minutes until the next security walk. I was in the cell next door. I've never heard anything like it. In the beginning, you know, it was like you could hear his body getting thrown against the walls, against the toilet like a sack of potatoes. Then he's screaming like a normal man. Then he's crying. Then he just starts well, making these animals. Yeah. This is a lunchtime feed. We don't know who's watching, <laughs> so we don't really want to be talking about um, crazy stuff like that. Let's keep it real. <laughs> okay. Let's bring it back to us and what you've been up to. You've been training a lot, haven't you, lad? You're looking healthy. You're looking slimmer. A lot more um, muscle towards your body in, in the sense of... When I've been calling you fatwood, people are thinking, why is he calling you fatwood? And I've got to keep on telling them it's about what's between your legs. It's not about your body weight. So what have, you been up to? what have you been up to to keep yourself motivated and healthy? Because you're up and down the road. You're doing, as you say, you're doing plenty of podcast interviews. You're all over the place. You're doing speeches. You're attending family dues. You're doing all this sort of stuff. So what have you been doing to keep yourself in good condition? Yeah, this is the thing, you know, from time to time we go on the road and we just go full on. So we did a 17-day tour earlier in the year, all the way up to Newcastle, uh, Manchester, Liverpool. I think I watched some of that, mate, yeah. And we filmed, over 17 days, we filmed 30 podcasts that lasted two to three hours each. We're about to do another little spree. Um, Jen's going to be going into prison for the first time with me. We're going to be talking at another prison north of London and um so to keep in shape then you know if i'm at my headquarters in in in, you know here where i'm now i'll try to go to the gym up to three times a day i'll do like yoga in the morning then i'll do like jogging and weights in the afternoon and i'll go swimming and jacuzzi at night and by doing that it's it's, the physical takes control of the mental doesn't it because i was addicted to drugs i didn't know how to 
handle things in my life and to let my stress out properly. I was addicted to drugs for over 10 years. And what I learned is if you keep doing all these fitness classes, those brain chemicals that the drugs release, the endorphins, they come out anyway, but you're doing it in a way whereby you're not going to get visited by a SWAT team. So that's that was a lesson for me to learn. <laughs> <laughs> well, it does. It releases the same type of endorphins, doesn't it? You know, it, it, especially when you're digging deep and you're going into them places where your body is exhausted, but your brain's well, carrying you through. Well, I tried to go when me and Jen worked out with you, but... Jen lasted about 10 minutes longer than me. If people want to see that, I think it's in the, the part four or five we did with you. Part four, I think, yeah. Well, I was a bit rushed, weren't it? It wasn't really a proper workout. It was just right, let's get this 20-minute workout done, bang. <laughs> and it was just drilling you, weren't it? So it is what it is. We had fun. We had fun at um, five ways, Jim. It was decent. Totally, man. But your fitness level's off the scale. You were doing, like, upside-down pull-ups, spinning around like a bat, doing these... Yeah, but that's that's when I'm rough. That's when I'm smoking. That's when I'm smoking opium, opium amounts of weed, not sleeping right, not eating right. Still haven't in me, but now I'm clean off the weed for quite a long time. I won't be going back on it and put my size back on, put my weight back on, feel a feel a cardiovascular system getting back into show. Darren, so many people tell me they're struggling with weed. How how do you get off it? Because I've never smoked it. I had problems with other drugs. You know what, mate? It's 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 um, it's it's basically the five phase flower pot that helped me. I've t- I spoke to you in the past about it, where you plant a seed every morning. The minute you wake up, you plant that seed, and throughout the day, you water it. If you keep on doing it, your body and your mind automatically just starts turning against it. It's the power of the mind, basically. Yeah, but it's not easy, is it? Don't don't, don't you like no, get tempted to go hard, back to it, stuff like that? People can't handle the, the nightmares and the dreams and the dreams that come at you thick and fast continuously. You can wake up from a dream, have half an hour, go back asleep, and you enter the same dream. So there's a lot of withdrawal symptoms that a lot of people can't deal with. But once you get through them, you feel blessed, you feel clean, everything starts functioning right, your mind's focused again. How long does that withdrawal process last? Months. You know, the... If the physical is about 28 days or something, you're on it. You know, where you're getting the sweats and you, you you might have runny, you might be pooing a lot and all this sort of stuff. Your sleeping goes out the window, but eventually it starts settling down and then you've got to deal with the psychological damage that's coming from the back of it. You know, you're so spending a lot of time sedated when you're on that weed. So the things that you're sedating yourself to hide from or to try and prevent the trauma from... They resurface today when you come off the week because you've, you've, you've been medicating for that trauma. Basically, yes. Yeah. So that's what happens. So everything you've been burying with the cannabis comes back to the forefront and you've got to deal with it. And when you, what you get, I, I've become very spiritual. It's just, come, it's just come with me. But what you get within this spiritual world, you get loads of people talking about the lights, talking about the good and the, all the good stuff within the spiritual world, when really, when you when you do, let's just say, when you do manage to open your third eye, it's not all good. You've got to go through all the trauma that you've buried, and all this comes back. So that's what you go, you're going through a process continuously. So when you get these people singing the spiritual world, it's all light, everything's fantastic. No, it's not. You're lying, because you've got to go through the dark stuff still to search for the light still. You're on it. And is that a dangerous period of time when you're confronting that trauma and you're looking inside yourself? Is that you know possible risky for people 
they might fall back on their old ways. Yeah, it is. It's very risky, mate. It's because it takes you back to um, situations that you've thought you've dealt with, but you hadn't really. So you might have given someone a walk over for insulting you or doing something to your family member or something like this. You're touching back on all that. Every, all that that you think you've buried comes back. You've got to deal with it again. It just makes you stronger, though, once you've gone through it. And do you think a lot of people, they can't give up weed because they're too scared to look inside themselves like that? That's exactly fit, what fit. it is. You, you know what? You know, when you come off the weed, you're going to get people, you get very emotional. You know, you start feeling sorry for yourself. You start being pitying on yourself because of my life could have been different if I wouldn't have went through this. And you start questioning everything. But that's the process, you know, and that's what cannabis does. It numbs your mind. It gives you psychological damage. There's a lot of advocates out there saying, no, it doesn't. I've had a few people once to book comments out like that. I've had a few people coming back at me. I've been smoking weed since I was 16. I'm 45 years of age now, and I've got a job, and I've got a car, and I've got kids and a wife. And I just say to them straight away, the weed you started smoking when you were 16 is nothing like the weed that the children are smoking today. The kids of 13 and 14 are getting high-grade cannabis weed, um, skunk weed, which the potency and the THC is through the roof. And when they've started on that at 13, 14, before the brain's even developed, they end up with psychosis, schizophrenia and stuff like this. And there's loads of mums out there that have lost their sons through cannabis or lost their daughters through cannabis. One minute they've had a son that's attending school, consistently all of a sudden he's sagging off all of a sudden he's not coming out of his room he, he goes from pro-social to anti-social and that's both with girls and boys yeah and it affects everybody differently as well it depends how their brains are made up isn't it i've seen some people go down fast on it i've seen other people say it wasn't affecting them and like you said it's because the government allows this black market the people producing the weed now are getting people addicted with the highest concentrate strains that's just like when the government made alcohol illegal in America. Al Capone took over. They started making the strongest, hardest core liquor and getting people addicted. It's exactly the same thing. Well, I know that that I know where you're coming from and that shout, but at the same time, mate, I don't think I don't think any child should be smoking weed that's dealt on the streets right now. It doesn't matter where they're saying they're getting it from, whether it's in these big packages or these nice, lovely little packets or tins. They should not be purchasing it off the streets. But it's working in the government's favour. You know, they're creating a custom base. The more youth that are smoking this, the more youth are going to be getting prescri prescriptions in, in 10 years' time when all these big pharmacies open for medicinal cannabis. You're going to have hundreds and thousands of children with schizophrenia, depression, and they'll all be getting prescribed medicinal cannabis on prescription. And so what they're doing is they're just creating a, a custom base like they did with with the medication that kicked in in the 80s, the ones that got opiates in your cocodimol and all that sort of stuff. It's like the heroin created a custom base for the methadone, the all them sort of tiazepans, diazepans, all these mad stuff. But it is what it is. And it's creating a custom base for the prisons, the private prisons no. especially. Weed is the most dealt drug in the world. And if where it's illegal, it has the most crime around it. So a lot of this knife crime in London revolves around backstreet deals or comp competition 
for the weed, well, what and, and then and then they end up in prison. A lot of them end up in prison, and then they get sixty. What the weed does, I'm convinced. What the weed does, you're saying all the knife crime and all this stuff resolves around that particular drug. What that some of it, some of it. Drug, what that particular drug does, it, it lessens your empathy. You, the consequences aren't as maximised as they are when you're not on the cannabis. When you're off the cannabis, you think about your the consequences of your actions a lot, lot more. When you're on the cannabis, you don't really give a fuck about the consequences of your actions. You're just dealing with whatever you've got to deal with there and then. And that's why you're getting a lot of young lads picking knives up and just willingly not realising what they're doing until their life's off or till someone's cut or till someone's dead. This is, what the private, this is what the private prisons want. The private prisons, they get £60,000 a year of taxpayers' money per person. They want young people out doing drugs and committing crimes. That's clients for life. If you're, a, if you're an adult, they're getting something like 42 grand, depending on what courses you complete and what educate and what qualifications you get within that prison. But if you're a juvenile, you can, if you're under 16, under 18, they can earn up to 105 grand for one person. And it's mad. Obviously, they used to get billed. So years ago, when the, when the, pri when, when the private companies first secured like the contracts on these prisons they go out to tender so what happens is a new prison will be built it'll go out to tender and then you'll have hmp coming in trying to secure the contract and then you'll have the private companies and what the private companies will do they'll go well we'll take a phone for every, we'll take a fine for every mobile phone that's recovered we'll take a fine for everyone that commits suicide we'll guarantee that 90% of the individuals that come through our gate, when they leave out the other side, they will have secured this, 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 and this. And HMP can't compete with it. Yeah, they come in and say all that, but three, four years down the road, it's all gone to shit because they're cutting the costs, paying the guards, happens. not paying the guards pittance, so and then, example, then it Sean, just gets out example, of control. For example, what happens is, say Lardham Grange is an example. What it is, they've they've gone. It's gone off for tender. You've got a private security company come in, secured secured the contract on it, and they've had a fifteen year contract or something. But what they'll do, they'll have a budget set out for the fifteen years. Do you understand what I mean? But that budget is spent in the first eight years, and then the other seven years, you can't even get a brush. You can't even get detergent to wash your cell. There's not enough staff on. The foods took a dive. So there's, it's loads of it's loads of nonsense. If you're looking at these, if you're looking at the comments on the side, just ignore them. I'm not watching them. Where I was housed, the, the, there was a private prison. They cut the cost so much, the alarm went on the fence went off 200 plus times one month, and the prisoners found out, and they're like, right, fuck, time to escape. So a couple of guys escaped, and when the alarm went off, the guards were like, oh, it's just the, the alarm going off again because it hasn't been fixed, and the, these guys got out. Well, it's, it's not just the prison system, though, is it, mate? You know, the private sector is taking and dominating everything. You know, they're basically doing the job of the law. They've become that powerful now. They've got their own security forces that will go to Iraq fully armed and protect individuals in Iraq fully armed. So, like, they're like soldiers now, and that's how powerful these private companies are around the world, especially the security companies. In my eyes, it's very, very dangerous for, for the whole world to have these private security companies with so much power and dominance when it comes to securing contracts in every area, whether it's whether it's the hospitals, 
you know, they're tapping into everything that's private and it's it's very wrong. If you if, if you look at the trains, the trains the, the, the trains are messing up. Everything they get involved in just messes up completely for, for the normal population down here. Yeah, let's well, move along. Let's move okay, along. Go for it. Going off track, <laughs> really. Let's bring it back into everything what we want to speak about. So you've been going to gym, you've been keeping yourself fit and strong, you've been meditating. You've been doing, you know, ready to defend yourself in case any little weirdos attack you and so on and so forth. Did I send you the video where I was teaching Jen to kick predators in the balls? <laughs> well, it'll be good to see that. I, I mean, it's good, it, yeah. any, any, and there's loads of young kids now going into MMA classes, boxing classes, getting ready to defend themselves. I'm but what, I mean, what, what, um, what have you been doing as a relaxing? You know, the gym's sort of like a, a thing to deal with your with your inner self. What have you been doing for your external self? How, have, you, have you been associating? I think when I spoke to you last night, you was in um, you was in a party and you was with that um, that good fella from down south who's got a knife initiative. What's his name? Yeah, so it was one of Jen's best mates' birthdays last night. So we went to a restaurant in Guildford and Paul Stansby who's a real sound guy. I've been collaborating with him now. And he's been on my podcast. I've been on his. He's from the East Coast. Uh, but he drove all the way out, actually. Drove for hours uh, with his fiance and his sister. And there was about seven or eight of us. Um, we just had a good time. That was when you contacted us last night. And Stansby, if people have seen his podcast on my channel, if, if you've not seen it, it's called Hunting My Brothers Killers. And it's really sad what happened. His brother was stabbed to death, wasn't he? His brother was stabbed to death, yeah. It's really sad. And he, he, basically he was in a race then to catch the killers before the police got them. But fortunately for them, the police got them. And they were in court, and he's in court. And like he, he has to be surrounded to stop himself from trying to kill these guys in the court. And it's, it's a powerful, emotional, harrowing story. And he now has a charity whereby he raises money for um, blood. What is it? Things that, you know, if someone's been stabbed, you can... Blood kits, is it? Is that what it's called? Yeah, that's then the blood flow. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, I don't yeah. know what they're called, but I know what you're on about. Yeah, so he's he's raised a lot of money what's, for them. What is... What is has, he, has he not also started, like, an anti-knife initiative or an anti-gang initiative on the back of this? So, let me just... I'll pull this up online and see what his charity's called. I can't remember exactly. Um, Paul. He's got his own podcast as well, hasn't he? Yeah, people should go to his channel and check his podcast out. What is that, mate? He's, he's, he's interviewed, like, you know, like, we interview a lot of prisoners and stuff. He interviews a lot of, like, mums who've lost their kids to knife crime. Yeah, or explain, dads. explaining the side of the victims, which we don't yeah. really know, do we? So it's good that he's got that angle going there so victims can be heard and how they're feeling and, and the repercussions of what happens to the whole family if they lose a loved one. His, channel, his channel is Paul Stansby Podcast. I'll put it in the chat to you on StreamYard, but I can't put it in your live chat because I'm, I'm still blocked. But there's the link to it. Oh, he's basically he's basically like Choose a Life, Not a Knife UK, isn't he? He's doing a similar thing, but down south on the East Coast. I think, you know, because of what happened to his brother, he's on a mission. 
he's taking that energy of his of his suffering and his pain and his, his trauma and his heartbreak over his brother and he's channeling that into a mission to try and save people's lives so it's similar you know there's a lot of parallels with what both you guys are doing it'd be great to see you guys together doing some kind of collaboration well he did get on me months and months ago for uh, when i when i looked into the background and looked a few a few pictures he dropped on his profile i seen him with a few negative individuals that have tried to cancel me out so I went nasty towards him. I just sort of cut it off. But as you say, the, the gate's open. If there's an opportunity for us to sit down and speak, maybe you can be in the middle or you can be involved in that. But, yeah, he's, he's up to speed on the nature of those individuals now. So, Yeah, well, yeah, that's good. That. There's yeah. a lot of poisonous people out there, isn't there? That Definitely. Like to encroach on people's platforms just to get their own little ego built up in some way or another. And the thing is, we don't need them, do we, Darren? I mean, I'm looking at your channel now, your live streams. You're getting hundreds and hundreds of viewers on these live streams in the evenings. You're so successful with what you're doing. These these other people are irrelevant to you now. Yeah, they're completely irrelevant, but they're always they're always still there in the background, like little trolls, little creatures. <laughs> All them type that pop their eyes up every so often. Yeah, yeah. We don't, we don't need to mention them. The people that have been with me for the last five years or a year or two, and you, they know exactly who they are. They know exactly how they moved. They've they seen how they were trying to cancel us out, so on and so forth. But let's leave them negative people to the side. They are what they are. They're not but trolls who are leading a lie, basically. They're living a lie, aren't they? They're trying to conduct themselves in the public eye like they're all this, but when reality, they're still up to the bollocks. Well, their reputation has been destroyed, Darren, and you've got more views and more hardcore followers than them these days. Yeah. So, you know, I'm you're not in you're... competition with them, mate. I'm not in competition with no one. I'm just here trying to stay on this path of life and give back to what it took, which was a lot of years. So, I'm here doing what I do best, raising awareness, and that's all I can do at the moment. So, let's talk about you and your, your working relationship with Jenny. Yeah, I think Jen now has interviewed over 100 people. And, you know, she's she's looked at all of her podcasts when she was started out. And if you look at her interviewing Robbie Williams, she's just so confident and strong and on point. And you're know, like when someone that famous, if you're like an amateur interviewer, you might be like doing a fanboy or a fangirl kind of vibe. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. So when we interviewed Robbie, it was with my other co-host, Andrew Gold, and it was with Jen. And Andrew only started about a year or so as well. And both of them are just so confident now at interviewing. It's just great to see, you know, how strong they are. And Jen's got her own channel now. She's doing loads. And um, I'm blessed to have such a good team of people around me. Well, that's what happens with it. With the experience, you be, you become a lot more professional with your interviewing skills and how you're conducting yourself. Even your body language says a lot on camera, doesn't it? So it's it's a hard thing to do what she's doing. And and I'd say most of the credit is down to you, isn't it? Well, not well, in the sense of giving her the opportunity to get onto the platform and become a well, partnership in what you're doing. Well, when Wildman died, I wanted to fill his shoes with someone who had a strong character and had a really wicked sense of humour. And that Jen, you know, was the one who, who was came along and filled Wildman's shoes. So, yeah, she's done really well. I think just after feminine energy in the room, because yeah. all this prison stuff, it seems to be more... I, I don't see any female uh, true crime, like prison, that kind of style, the hardcore, hard-hitting style. 
But with Jen, you know, some of the, I think some of the lads like open up more to her. Like Paul Stanby said that he cried in our interview we did when we interviewed him because Jen was in the room. Well, that's what it is. All, all women have got that power, haven't they? It's like that uh, maternal instinct type of things. And all young boys, all men, you know, we all know a woman can put a man on his knees, can't she? Like that. But as I say, she's got she's had massive shoes to fill, and I think she's done done the big fella a lot of good, and she she's represented, and she filled the shoes well. Yeah, if Wildman was here, I know, I know what the, the spirit of Wildman is looking down. I know he's very proud and glad of what Jen has done, and I'm blessed that she came into my life. And yeah, she is funny as fuck. They they would just be cracking jokes all day long if if he was here now. Well, it's it, it's I'm going to touch on Wildman because I can see um, he was obviously a massive part of your life, and to have that space took out and now you're trying to fill it but you can see every time you can see you're not over it you know man to man i know we're on a live feed we shouldn't really be speaking but i can see because i've been there i know exactly what it feels like to be going through what you're going through is there going to be a time when you're going to be able to accept it fully and let them let them fly through let them pass through because yeah the more you're hanging on to the spirit of them the more you're hanging on to the the energy that he's asked. If you don't, if you don't release that energy and let it fly, he's, he's going to be in the unknown for quite a while, isn't he? Is it? Is it not important for you to accept it and let him pass over? So I was speaking to his wife recently and other family members, and a lot of them said that they couldn't watch the Wildman videos after his death because it was too raw. But now they're so glad that those videos are there because it keeps him living on. And I felt the same. I couldn't watch him either right after. It was too raw for me. And now I look at him and see how fucking funny he is, man. He just says anything that comes into his head to anybody. He doesn't give a shit. He's so funny with it as well. He just cracks everyone up whenever it's really serious. I just say something so funny and change, completely change the atmosphere. So, you know, I think, I think it's great that he does live on in that way. But I know what you're saying as well. You know, people may I think, no, what, what, what? sorry, I can see it in your face and in your eyes. The minute you start speaking about them, it's obvious there's a lot of stuff there that you haven't dealt with and it needs to be dealt with for your own. You can't it's... you can't keep on going to gym three times a day and working <laughs> working religiously around the clock, month in, month mm. out. You can't do that to try and get rid of the feelings that you've got. You've got to address them at some point, accept them. Even if you're sitting there for two days crying straight, it needs to be done. I did all the crying after after he died in the media after math. I mean, actually, when I when I found out he died, I was in such shock. I was on the way to film podcasts, and I filmed those podcasts, and it hadn't even it didn't it, I didn't I couldn't accept it. My brain couldn't accept it until the next day. Sure. But then I, then I, then I did do all my crying, and um, now you know I just look at all the times we spent together, all all the madness, all all the funny things, and he's always going to be part of me. But the thing is. I think people don't understand. I knew him from when we were little kids. He was like my best friend from childhood. It's like a brother, isn't it? Yeah, we went through all the drugs and, and the stuff in Arizona together. He was deported three or four times. I kept smuggling him back in. We went through the jail, the prison. And um, to be, you just bonded for life, aren't you? There's nobody that, you know, that close who went with through such intense 
uh, periods of my life with me. He, he was he was the one. It's a big gap to be filled, uh, and the responsibility lies on Jenny, and she's filling the shoes by the looks of it. You know, you couldn't have given, you couldn't have said it anymore about her. The same well, with Jenny. She's a natural. Haven't I? I've had me ups and downs with Jen, but I think that happens with any sort of twisted individuals. I'm not saying she's twisted, but I'm saying I'm twisted, aren't I? So, <laughs> 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 give me your little way. You either hate me or like me, don't you? It is what it is. So let's let's. We're not going to be on here for long. We're we're looking like 45 minutes, 60 minutes. We're 32 minutes in. What's coming in the new year then? You've got, you know, we've got Christmas coming up. It'll be before we know it. We're into year 2023. What's on the agenda, mate? What's, you know, what's coming? So at the end of this month, we've got another big one. As a French guy, he's, he's never done interviews in the English-speaking world before. When, he, when he, he drove over from France to do the podcast, the equivalent of the French CIA stopped him and tried to prevent him coming to England. They stopped him on the way back as well. But anyway, he was, he was France's biggest coke dealer. He was the dealer to the uh, the prime minister, the president, or whatever they got over there. The president actually changed the law so they could give him more time. And he was he's also become France's biggest pedo hunter. And it's just the stories he told us, man. He, he, he was in this house. He got invited to this mansion in the UK by this witch. And this witch had seduced him. And he could hear these weird noises in the night, like, kids voices and stuff like 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 they were suffering so he waited until one night when she was asleep and he went down to the basement and there was all these mongolian children in, in cages that were getting passed on to other people uh, honestly my absolutely that's just one little example of the podcast i think it's over three hours long have you, already, out the end of this have month. you already have you already recorded it yeah it's coming out the end of this month yeah, but that's the end of this month, and the end of this month is still in this year. I'm, I'm talking about 2023. Have you got anything? Is there anything already in place to be happening, or are you just waiting for things to come along as you move we've, along? We, we've we've ramped up. I don't know if you noticed, Darren. We're publishing about 10 to 20 videos a day right now. So I've got, as well as the six co-hosts, I've got six to ten other people working for me producing clips. So we're just going full on, just expanding everything. You know, so you're like when a big network company basically, aren't you? <laughs> with the book, it. with the books, the speaking at the schools and the prisons and the podcasts and everything else, it's just, it's just nonstop. But I've learned you've got to have a good, loyal team around you to expand because you can't do it all by yourself. Exactly. So that that's that's been my focus, you know. And I'm blessed to have I've got the, the Southern team. We've got the Liverpool lads, Material Studios. We've got Liam in the Midlands. So I'm blessed just to have. Um, Oh, yeah, someone just put in the chat, Gerard Foray. That's who I'm talking about. That's the guy out of France. Yes, exactly. Nah, I'm, sure I'm not even looking yeah. at that, mate. I just let it. I let me moderators deal with that. So there might be a few... If you're watching the stream, yeah, comments, you might still see the comments, but the individuals out there can't see and they've been blocked. Do you understand? It's because I'm on a... I'm not upgraded, so they can't just be deleted, if you like. No, it's all very positive. You've got 200 people watching and all the comments, 100% positive. So it is what it is then next year. As all this work, as all this, you know, effort, your new team, all these people on board with you, is it bringing the channel, the things that you want the channel to be receiving? You know, are your numbers going up? Are you reaching that million mark? Because that must be that must be the top mark for you at the moment to get that million subscribers. So we were shadow banned after our coverage on, you know, Who Killed E. Yeah. We were down at like a million views a month. 
and then it started to go up a little bit in recent months. And now it's just shot up to like six million a month in the, in um, October. We had six million. So the so the subs are rising on the back of that again now, and we're on this march to a million. Good. So that's where that's where we're at. And I think because you know we we get inspired. If things are down, we just work harder and produce more content. And in the long run, that always brings you right back up. And that's what we're seeing now. The hard work the whole team's been doing now, everything's starting to rise again. Well, that's what it's about, isn't it? I think I was saying that to you ages ago. It's about you getting that million subscribers now because you belong up there. You know, there's other platforms that don't put the effort in as much as you. Don't don't put the content out as much as you on the topics on the topics that you're speaking about. And they seem to have all these like a million plus subscribers. I'm not on about the lower lower echelons likes of me and the Glass Region podcast. There, we're on the lower echelons. You should be. Right up there for the amount of time you've been in the game and the effort that you've put into it. And well, we were, we were we were the first prison YouTube channel started in two thousand and seven, and the blog was the first prison blog, and that was started in two thousand and four. And that those original blog entries, John's Jail Journal, I documented my journey through the jail in real time, and they're all they're all still there, timestamp. Well, that's what I'm saying. So it's nearly twenty years in, isn't it? Yeah. And it's only a matter of time before your hard labour and your hard work comes to fruition with whatever goals you've set yourself. It's definitely going to happen for you without a doubt. What I found in my life, I've always had to put in the hard work. I've never had it easy. And whether it's been the stock market, whether it's been writing books, whether it's been ecstasy, raves, it's always took at least 10 years for it to take off. The 10-year plan, mate, it's what it's about. Yeah. And you see, you see that... At, you can see that in the public eye when you look at football teams and you get a new manager in. And then when that manager's been there for 10 years, that team is at its most successful, most dominant in the league. Like Alex Ferguson's won. Arsene Wenger, although he never used or he never conquered all these things, his best, when he reached his 10 years, he had the best team you could get in the Premiership. And, and couldn't you? But anyway, yeah. let's move forward. We, I don't really want to sound boring or go off track. So I'm trying to think of something to put on your toes, which will catch you off guard. Oh shit! Here we go. Let, let me <laughs> let me get some water down me. <laughs> well, it's not. It's not. A, yeah. So basically, the relationship between you and Jen is coming across as a very professional relationship. Is there any passion going on in there? Is there any? You know, is there is there a prospect of turning into a relationship here? So. Jen and I are best friends and business professionals. And we've done some ads. I know the Harry's ads where Jen's wearing skimpy stuff in the bath. And we've got some breakfast food. We've got <laughs> we've got some breakfast food ads that we're about to put out where Jen and I jump out of bed and, and, and get the breakfast food. <laughs> and Jen's oh in a little God. Jen's in a little Jen's in a little nighty. <laughs> She's got an OnlyFans now, Darren. You're messing. No, no, no. She's doing an only OnlyFans account. She's not getting it too explicit. Yeah, I don't know what it's, you mean, it's, but it's, it's, it's a classy, it's a classy to, one. When people refer to OnlyFans accounts, they automatically think the, you know, the very provocative images and all that. When really, there's just there's loads of OnlyFans accounts in there, and some are very sensible and. You know, sophisticated on there, aren't they? If people want to check out Jen's OnlyFans, go to her Instagram, Jen Hopkins, message her, or you'll, you'll find it through there. <laughs> it is what it is. So, 
It's been boss speaking to you today. I've asked you before. We were going to do 60 minutes, but I said to you that I've got a few issues with my YouTube where I need to get my funding off there and finding it difficult. Um, I said we were going to come off for 45 minutes to see if you could get on the phone and help me recover them funds. Of course. And close to Christmas, so it's very essential to get hold of them. If there was anything you could say to young children, young girls, young boys which would encourage them to become whatever. What would it be? What what is your what would your be your like quote on life to the to the youth? Look, there's companies out there that are investing in videos that say do drugs, kill cops, that kind of stuff. And those same companies are investing in private prisons. They want young people out doing drugs and committing crimes. The contracts are in the tens of billions a year right now for those corporations. They look at those young people as suckers. They can just make money off the off the back of. Don't do it. You will lose absolutely everything. I thought, right, cops didn't even have to, wouldn't catch up with me. I'm too smart. I'm above the law. They've got to catch you with the drugs. They don't even need to catch you with the drugs these days. They caught me a year after I quit. Conspiracy, all it takes is people from your past to tell the cops they've done a drug deal with you and they've got a witness against you. That's a conspiracy charge right there, which is very hard to defend against. So young people... If you've got a goal in life, a dream, it may seem like it's, there's going to be a long, hard road ahead of you. But if you persevere, you will get there eventually. If you think that the, the fast cash from drugs is going to fix your life situations, it might fix it for a few months, a few years. But when that SWAT team smashes your door down, they're going to take absolutely everything. They took everything I'd made as a stockbroker. They took my pension. I thought I was smarter than the cops. I flew people from England opened accounts in their names and put money in those accounts that I thought the cops would never, ever find. Cops have put a virus in my computer. Department of Justice, this was in America. And the day I was arrested, the cops took absolutely everything. So you'd be better off in the long run just working for a low wage while you rise up the ranks, earn your stripes. And once you've earned your stripes, then, you know, you'll be commanding more money and you don't have to worry about that SWAT team coming and smashing your door down. That's similar to what I've been screaming for the last few years, isn't it? Stop being jailbait. You know, if you're if you're mixing with that gang down the road who are dealing drugs, who are doing violence, you're jailbait. And once you end up behind bars, you become a commodity. And once you're that commodity, you're given an identification. You'll get out every time you're arrested. You're straight back into custody. And the reason you are is because now you're a commodity in a billion-pound corporation where the the only customer... So it's like any other corporation. There's a lot of shareholders. And every year that goes by, these shareholders expect to see a return on their shares. So what happens is it's like a big shop, if you like. They need customers coming through the door. And unfortunately for the kids on the estates these days, they're the customers. As I've said, there's two systems in this country for the youth. It's the education system and it's the justice system. If you fuck up in the education system, if you don't toe the line in your school years and just get the qualifications you need to get employment, you're going to fall into the justice system. And once you fall into that justice system, just like me and thousands of more around the country, it's going to take you 10 to 20 to 30 years to stop yourself getting in there. And they don't want to let you go. They want to keep you in there consistently because the amount of money you're worth. Don't be a dickhead and end up in prison. 
Use your life accordingly. Appreciate everything you've got. It mightn't be much, but you've got freedom and you've got the opportunity with your path of life to become powerful and successful in a legal manner without committing law, without participating in violence. Basically, what I'm trying to scream at you is again, is choose a life, not a knife, UK. Understand the choices you've got and understand the voices you're listening to. People will inspire you to do right and people can inspire you to do wrong. The drill music you're listening to, all the bullshit you're getting caught up in, ignore it because it's leading you down a path of destruction. Any any last words, Sean? Yeah, I want to add something onto that because what you said about the prison companies, right? I, I read the accounts. So in the annual report, this is Corrections Corporation of America. They were boasting to their shareholders, our profit growth is guaranteed because they keep coming back. Once they get you in there, they're not rehabilitating you. They're destroying you. In America, it's just drug and gang-infested mayhem. When you get released, they give you $50 on the gate and say, have a nice day. As soon as you come back, $60,000 of taxpayers' money per year per person. So don't be a sucker. Don't be a sucker for these private prisons. Yeah, don't be a daft bellend. Don't get yourself caught up in that gang life because that gang life puts you in prison. And as he's just say, you get £50 in America when you get released, you get £47. You get two weeks' worth of benefits to get yourself on your feet when you're released from prison in this country. That's happening still to this day with every prisoner that's released. They're given two weeks' worth of benefits, which sums up £47. You used to get a travel token. You don't even get that no more. It's a struggle. You might as well stay out. You might as well go through the education system, get yourself into some form of employment and grow up that ladder of employment and it can be done if you focus. Ignore the materialistic drug dealers at the bottom of the street. As I keep saying, the jail bait. If you look at all the notorious gunmen from the city of Liverpool, from the city of Manchester, they're flowing round in the high pirate cars. They've got the watches, they've got the girls, they've got the drugs. Within two or three years of that, they've got 20 years shoved up their ass and they're crying in jail because they can't mm -hmm. do it. So the point I'm making to you is the youth is choose a life, not a knife, as always. I hope you've I hope you've enjoyed the live feed. It's my first one. It was nice to have Sean on board. I believe it's been very positive. I believe there's been no negative issues on this platform, and that's what we're that's what we're striving to work towards: positive, decent content that many and many people can relate to. Thanks for coming on, Sean. I appreciate it. Thanks for me being your first, and Darren, I salute you for getting off the weed. That cloud's lifted out your head now, and you're just on a more solid footing. This has been such a powerful live stream because. Not only have you, you know, we discussed what we're both doing, but it's got so many life lessons in it for the young people as well. And we've just boiled it right down to how these evil people are trying to make money off them and to avoid uh, that. Well, as I say, Sean, we'll be speaking in a minute to see if you can help me with this funding on my YouTube. I need to try and get it out, withdraw it some way. But other than that, Sean, I feel blessed to have you on here as my first interview on my stream yard. And so may it continue. Peace out, Cheers. mate. Cheers, I'll let you Take care. Right, people. You'll see me tomorrow night now. This live feed will be uploaded later. I hope you enjoyed my first live feed with another podcast. I think it was very, you know, we spoke well. It was fantastic. Peace out. L5 shout. Choose a life, not a knife. <laughs>